Now let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel according to John uh, once again, and we're reading in John's Gospel, chapter 18. John's Gospel, chapter 18. I think the passage is on page 1087, if you're using one of the church Bibles. And we're going to read from John 18 into John 19. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber, possibly an insurrectionist is the word. Then Pilate took Jesus, flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! 
Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he's made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Every Sunday morning at the morning services in the church that we belong to in Colombia, one of the ministers would ask the standing congregation the same question every Sunday. Christians, what do you believe? And every Sunday, the whole congregation would respond with the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, right through to believing in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Often used to wonder what visitors made of this, especially visitors who were not of this tradition. Uh, to tell the truth, the only time I really looked up at the congregation was at the beginning of Freshers' Week, because I knew by seeing the young students who were fussing about to try and find the order of service to get the words of the Apostles' Creed, I, I could spot a new student uh, from an apostolic distance away. And I used to think this, you know, if you'll just stick it out here among us, in a few weeks' time you'll be writing, well, not writing, emailing, or uh, tweeting home, or posting something on your blog site saying, for the very first time in my Christian life, if somebody asked me to summarize the Christian faith, I could summarize it 
for them. So stick with it. But then there were others. I think of a couple who came to do postgraduate studies in the university, and I knew they came from a very committed, charismatic background. And I used to wonder what they made of this rather formal element in worship. I met them a couple of years after they had uh, graduated and the husband had his doctorate, and they said to me, you know, we so much miss saying the Apostles' Creed that when we're going to church in the morning, we say to one another, Christians, what do you believe? And before we get there, we've recited the Apostles' Creed. Now, you're asking, what's the point of this diversion? It's to say this, that the name that is upon more Christians' lips than any other name apart from Jesus throughout the world every single Sunday is perhaps surprisingly the name of Pontius Pilate. And that phenomenon, which is an expression of a deep conviction in the Christian church, underscores for us that what happens in this passage here is not merely a preliminary to the real action of the passion narrative, but is actually fundamental to it and central to it. It is actually in that sense, part of the gospel, as the Apostle Paul himself says, speaking about this very incident, it is part of the gospel that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And so, coming to a passage like this, it's a rather long passage for us in John's gospel. It maybe takes a few minutes to read, but it actually, in the event, extended, as John tells us by his chronological markers, it extended over several hours. Actually helps us to understand the very heart of the gospel message. And I want us for a few minutes this morning to try and think about this. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor for a decade, 26 AD to about 36 AD, uh, damned by the Jewish philosopher uh, Philo from Alexandria in Egypt as being heartless and merciless and insensitive. And now we've got this amazing passage in John's Gospel. The narrative appears in in different ways in each of the Gospels, underlining its centrality in which Jesus appears before the Roman authority. That's the message. He's appeared before the Jewish authorities, and now he's appearing before the Roman authorities. This is Jesus on trial before the whole world, as it were, Jew and Gentile. And I want simply to pick out this morning three aspects of its significance. They're they're very obvious, really, but they're very important. The first is this. It's that Pilate, as the Roman authority, governor and judge, first of all listens to the prosecuting counsel. 
And John, as we've seen in John's Gospel, is a, is a master of telling us things in the story just as he tells the story. In other words, he's able to weave together not only the narrative of what happened, but in the process of doing that to communicate to us the significance of what happens. And this is very evident here, for example, in chapter 18 and in verse 28. Uh, we are told that uh, when Jesus comes before Pontius Pilate, the Jews bring him to his headquarters, but they won't themselves go in. Now, notice why. They will not go in to the trial of Jesus before the Roman authorities having falsely tried him, having falsely accused him, having falsely condemned him, they will not go into the governor's headquarters. Why? Because to do so would defile them and prevent them from celebrating the Passover. And you see in that statement what, what John is really doing. He is exposing the hypocrisy of the charges against Jesus and the hypocrisy of those who bring those charges against Jesus. And of course, they are such hypocrites themselves, so used to manipulating people that they know this man, Pontius Pilate, well enough to know that they can manipulate him too. And so this man, with all the authority of Rome behind him to command them, as it were, is demeaned by having to go out to these men who are defiling the Son of God, but will not go into the governor's house lest they themselves get dirty hands and are unable to continue the Passover celebration. And it's such an exposure of human hypocrisy, which manifests itself in a particular way in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it manifests itself in all kinds of ways. Um, there, there are men who will play golf with you who will be furious if you cheat on the golf course, even while they themselves are cheating on their wives. And you, in your ordinary life, you see many manifestations of that, the hypocrisy, the double standardness. And of course, it emerges especially in the case of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus' presence, the Lord Jesus' pressure upon people's lives by His word of the gospel, the, the truth of who He is, causes people to reveal their deep inconsistencies in the way in which they will seek to dodge the implications of who he is. And we see this in this passage in so many different ways. And of course, they know Pilate. And they know how to manipulate Pilate. And Pilate himself in, in this process that he never wanted to be part of, uh, as is true actually of every unbeliever who encounters the Lord Jesus Christ, finds himself being forced in the circumstances to make up his mind 
about his own response to the Lord Jesus. And it's clear that what turns him away, and perhaps this is what most of all deep down actually turns people away at the end of the day, is not their understanding, but the fear in their hearts of the consequences of trusting in Jesus Christ. And this is what emerges as Pilate listens to the prosecuting counsel. Then, woven into this, are the occasions when Pilate cross-examines the accused, the prisoner. And you notice he has got two questions for Jesus. The first is a question about his identity. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus speaks to him in in the course of the cross-examination. He says, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Uh, John had actually told us that at the beginning of the gospel, didn't he? Jesus, the word of God, came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus has taught his disciples, those who see the truth, those who penetrate into the ultimate reality of the gospel, see that Jesus is the truth. And of course, in John 14, in the upper room, in verse 6, Jesus had said to the disciples, I am the truth. That is to say, to put it simply, in this world... The mystery of God that makes sense of everything else that is mysterious, even if we don't fully understand it, is the fact that Jesus is the truth. Actually, it is one of the most encouraging elements in the Christian gospel, and there is, there is no other faith grasps this. The ultimate reality, truth, is actually personal. It's a person. Uh, We live in a world uh, in which this is denied, and so what is the consequence? The consequence is the disintegration of the person. So that what do you have to do nowadays? Nowadays, you've got to create your own person. Why? Why has that happened in a post-Christian world? Because the ultimate truth, who is a person... When he is removed from our thinking, there's no foundation for our being. And so Jesus is making a colossal claim about himself. And you see how Pilate responds, uh, you understand this because you've seen this. You, you may even at one time have responded this way. Uh, There is nobody in the whole of the New Testament sounds more 2018 than Pontius Pilate because he says, so what is truth? There's your truth and there's my truth. And and you see what he's doing. There's no engagement here with Jesus' claims. There is only this fearful self-defense, this refusal to think through the claims of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that, isn't that the truth about the world in which we live, that most people we know who reject or despise Jesus Christ would not be able to give you five minutes 
telling you anything about him. But there is this deep consciousness in Pontius Pilate, as there remains a deep consciousness in a world in which the claims of Jesus Christ were once well known, the self-protectiveness against the claims of Christ in our lives. And that emerges, as we'll see in a minute. So there's the question about his identity. There's the question about his origin. And Jesus is saying to, to uh, Pilate, my kingdom isn't of this world. My, my kingdom comes from above. And that's another theme that a reader of John's gospel would understand that this is, this is Jesus saying that he is the, the word who has come from God, who comes from God to bring new life to spiritually dead men and women and young people. And uh, you see how Pilate responds uh, to him. He says, don't you understand I've got power to crucify you? And Jesus gives him this response that must have absolutely staggered him. It's pretty clear in this narrative that Pontius Pilate could not but be profoundly impressed by our Lord Jesus Christ. He was overwhelmingly impressed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to him very calmly, you would have no power over me unless it were given to you from above. Now, you know, we wish that there was brackets somewhere and John had said, this is what from above means. I mean, it might mean you would have no power over me. You're just the governor unless it came from Rome and from Caesar. But I think it almost certainly means not that. But you would have no power over me unless it were given to you from above, from the world from which I have come. And you see what he's saying. This is, this is in the midst of the horrors of what happens to Jesus here, in the midst of the shame, the midst of the, the demeaning, in the midst of the pain. You see what gives him poise. He understands that he is not actually the victim here. He is the one who knows, who alone knows what is actually happening. As Simon Peter, actually just before the passage we read in Acts chapter 2, you remember what Simon Peter had just said before that? He'd said that Jesus was delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And this is staggering, obviously, to Pontius Pilate. Uh, And it comes out in the third element I want you to notice in this passage. It comes out in the way he brings Jesus out and he offers them Jesus. And he tries to cope with the situation by appealing to the Jews. He appeals to their sense of integrity, but they've lost it. He appeals to their sense of equity. Wouldn't you want this man released? And they choose an insurrectionist. And he appeals to their sense of sympathy. So he brings him out after he's been beaten and says, Look at him. And they cry out like wolves 
My friends, these were the most respectable people in Jerusalem. It's just that they belong to a culture where you don't just think things, you say things and you do things. But this is, this is exactly the cry of many human hearts when Christ in his passion is presented before them. In other areas, there are people who will have a sense of integrity and a sense of equity and justice and a sense of sympathy, but not when it comes to Jesus. Nothing will allow him entry into their lives. And that brings us to the third thing. Pilate listens to the prosecution counsel. He listens to the prisoner at the bar. And then he delivers his verdict. Actually, the word delivered is used in chapter 19, verse 16, at the end of the passage we read. So, Pilate delivered him over to be crucified. So, here's a question. So, what was the verdict? What was Pilate's verdict? Miss this, and we miss something really important John is telling us. Well, the verdict was obviously guilty as charged, wasn't it? But didn't you notice as we read through this passage that Pontius Pilate's verdict is actually the very reverse of that? Three times he says, I find no guilt in him. I find no guilt in him. John has exposed Jewish religion in its worst forms of hypocrisy. Now he is exposing what was the great gift of the Roman Empire to civilization, its law structure, for its hypocrisy. And the message is clearly that things were neither what the Jewish authorities thought they were, nor were they what Pontius Pilate thought they were. I say that for two reasons. One is because there is no doubt that Pontius Pilate thought he was putting Jesus on trial. But there's also no doubt that what John is showing us is that it's actually Pontius Pilate who was on trial. And there's one of those moments here. You know, John's gospel, the more you you know the Bible, the more you sense that John sees everything through lenses crafted by his understanding of the Bible. And so in John's gospel, there's this statement you find in no other statement. Jesus is brought out and Pontius Pilate says, Behold the man. You know, Many people have painted that. Great artists have painted that. Ecce homo, written books about it. And just as uh, Caiaphas didn't really understand what he meant when he said it was vital that one man should die for all the people, Pontius Pilate didn't understand what he was saying either. Because actually Jesus was the man 
Throughout this gospel, we've been told again and again and again, he is the Son of Man. That is to say, he is the Son of Man described in the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, in Daniel's amazing vision of the one into whose hands all judgment would be placed and whose kingdom would actually destroy a kingdom that as Daniel looks forward to it is, in my view, undoubtedly a vision of the Roman Empire. And Pontius Pilate doesn't realize that he is the one who is being judged by the man. Remember how Paul put it when he, when he spoke to the, the philosophically, culturally minded Athenians in Acts chapter 17. He, he ended his message by saying, God has has fixed the day when he will judge the world by the man. He doesn't even mention his name. And this is what's happening here. Pilate thinks that he is putting Jesus on trial, but all the while, and it's so evident, isn't it? It's actually Pontius Pilate who is on trial. It's Pontius Pilate who is on trial before the truth who is Jesus. And uh, if John ever preached through his gospel, as we've been preaching through his gospel, you can almost uh, imagine him turn to people and say, and you know exactly the same thing is true of you. Uh, You're sitting listening to me, John might say, uh, tell you about Jesus. You're judging Jesus. You're assessing Jesus. I've almost encouraged you to do that because John's gospel has this sense of Jesus being on trial right from the beginning and witnesses coming forwards. And that's how we listen to God's word. We're assessing Jesus. And it so rarely crosses our minds, actually, that what's happening to us is we're the ones who are being assessed by Jesus in terms of whether we, as we were singing, come to him and and embrace him. So Pilate thinks he's putting Jesus on trial. And Pilate also thinks that he is actually destroying or at least ridding himself of the gospel. And yet woven into this narrative is the very heart of the gospel. I wonder if you saw it. It's one of those when you see it, you think, how can I possibly have missed it? It is that Jesus is declared three times to have no sin and no guilt, but is crucified as though he were a guilty sinner. And that actually is the gospel. Not only so, but there are two charges being brought against Jesus here. One is the charge of blasphemy, that he's made himself the Son of God. The other is the charge of treason, that he's committed treason against the lawfully constituted authority of the Roman emperor, Caesar. And Pontius Pilate doesn't realize that, in fact, these are the two charges that one day he will face before the judgment seat of Christ. The charge of blasphemy, that he's made himself God. And the charge of treason, that he's rebelled against the lawfully constituted authority of God over our lives. Uh, The 
modern hymn writer Christopher Idol has captured this. He stood before the court on trial instead of us. He met its power to hurt, condemned to face the cross. Our king accused of treachery. Our God accused of blasphemy. These are the crimes that tell the tale of human guilt. Our sins, our death, our hell, on these the case is built. To this world's powers their Lord stays dumb. The guilt is ours. That's why he's silent. He's accepting the guilt that's not his. The guilt is ours. The death is his. In a way, this is, this, is like the, this is like the actual historical movie of what Isaiah had prophesied, isn't it? That he would be wounded for others' transgressions and bruised for others' iniquities, that the chastisement that was on him would be to bring us peace and that with his stripes we would be made whole. All we, says Isaiah, eventually, all we, we understand this now, we've all gone astray like sheep and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So this is the gospel in 3D. This is Pilate putting Jesus on trial. And in a way, this is the gospel putting me on trial. This is the truth exposing my falsehood. This is the king indicating to me by his words and by his presence exposing in me the defense mechanisms I use the way in which I seek to trivialize the Christian faith, the way I demean Jesus. It's all here. It's all here in the event of Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. And it's a message encouraging us, as we've been singing already, not to delay, but to trust in Jesus, to listen to the truth. Because... Perhaps for some of us, uh, the words of Horatius Bonn are not the song that we were singing earlier, but other words that uh, Horatius Bonner, who often preached in this very room uh, 170 years ago, I see the crowd in Pilate's Hall. I mark their wrathful mien, their shouts of crucify appall, with blasphemy between. And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I am one. And in that din of voices rude, I recognize my own. I see the scourges tear his back, I see the piercing crown. And of that crowd who smite and mock, I feel that I am one. Around yon cross, the throng I see, mocking the sufferer's groan, yet still my voice it seems to be, as if I mocked alone. Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. Yet, not the less, 
that blood avails to cleanse away my sin, and not the less that cross prevails to give me peace within. Isn't this the greatest news in the world? And it all emerges as the Christian church testifies every Sunday. Because as Paul says, he witnessed the good confession under Pontius Pilate. Or as the Apostles' Creed says, he suffered. That is for me. For you. For me. Under Pontius Pilate. So let us trust him. Come to him. Run to him. Seek him out. Investigate the truth. And come to faith. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for being witnesses of this scene. Remember how the Apostle Paul told the Galatians that, that Christ was placarded before them. And we, we thank you that through your Spirit, this word from John's Gospel lives in our hearts and before our eyes and impresses itself in our minds and our affections and emotions and our will. We see how great a Savior our Lord Jesus Christ is. And we pray that you would help us to trust him, if for the first time, or for the hundred and first time, to keep on trusting him and love him all the more for all that he has done for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.